how in the world did I get into this mess? <laughs> Amen. Well, the answer to that question is it's really simple. We get into this mess in life sometimes when we choose to live our life outside of God's plan. When we try to ignore him, uh, his will, and we try to live by standards that are outside of the word of God. And when we do these things, guess what? We're headed for trouble. And we put God's patience to the test. And no one illustrates this more in the Bible, really, than a man named Jonah. And the book of Jonah, uh, it's not a story about a whale. It's a story about a man who ran from God. And then we find him running back to God. And so there's a lot of stages that you and I go through when we mess up in life, right? And uh, often it happens, and it doesn't really happen suddenly, right, these things. It happens over a long period of time. We make certain choices over the course of time, and uh, we go through these series of events and stages. And I want to take the time this morning to look at some stages that Jonah went through to kind of get into his mess. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to just crank right through this book of Jonah. It's only four chapters long, but this is a powerful book that we'll be looking at. And so we're providing for you this morning some uh, sermon notes to help you, you walk through it this morning. So if you need some, some of those in your hands, maybe that helps you stay focused more. Great. Uh, but uh, Rich is in the back. If you didn't happen to get one on your way and just slip up your hand, he'll bring you one of those. There's also a card uh, that looks like this. It has a little runner on it. If you'd grab that as well, just slip up your hand. Rich will get you those um, and uh, you'll be set to go this morning. So for the next w- four weeks, we're going to crank right through this book. And so I want to encourage you to bring your Bible with you as we really look at God's word directly and uh, invite you to to bring somebody along with you as well because these will be four practical lessons uh, just about how we live life. So, all right, we all got it now? Let's look at stage one in this story. Stage one is God's call. God said, Jonah, I've got a job for you. Take a look at uh, Jonah chapter one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Abinadi, and said, uh, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness have come up before me. He said here, he said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, this wicked city, and I want you to preach and have them repent. That was his job. It was his purpose. And you know, the call on Jonah, it's no different than the call on our life. You know that God has a plan for us. He has a path. He has a purpose for each one of our lives. Our job uh, in life is not just to be here on earth and just to take up space. God has a purpose and a specific plan for each one of us. So he comes to Jonah, and he says, here's your task. I want you as my prophet to go to Nineveh. Now, what's Nineveh? Uh, Nineveh was, uh, in Jonah's day, was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And it's what we know as modern-day Iraq. And it was as far as you could go at the time, as far as you could go in the eastern known world. That's where Nineveh was. It was the largest, wealthiest, most powerful, most influential city of Jonah's day. And we're told that there was nearly half a million people in Nineveh at the time, and to go across Nineveh would take about 30 miles. That's huge in Jonah's day. But you know, when God gave Jonah a task, and when God gives us a task, every one of us, we have a choice. It's called free will. (laughs) We can choose to follow God's will and his plan, or we can choose to ignore it altogether. But if we do that, then bigger trouble is in front of us. And we find that with Jonah. That leads us to stage two, which is Jonah's disobedience. 
The Bible says this in verse 3 of, of Jonah chapter 1, but Jonah ran from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So God says, Jonah, here's my plan I have for you. And Jonah says, no thanks, <laughs> I'm out of here. I've got, uh, I've got my own plans, I'm headed somewhere else, we'll see you later. And Jonah left the other direction. And when we go against what God calls us to do, what do we call that? What's called disobedience. And that's what's going on here. He ran from God's plan. Instead of doing what God had asked him to do, he went to, to Joppa. Now, what's Joppa? Joppa's a seaport town on the Mediterranean Sea. It's, it's right near what we know as present-day Tel Aviv. So instead of going to Nineveh, he goes to Joppa, and he, gets, uh, he buys a cruise ticket to get on a Mediterranean cruise to head out to sea, uh, heading across to Tarshish. You, know, you may ask, where's Tarshish? Tarshish is a seaport in, in, uh, over in Spain. In fact, Tarshish is the furthermost, westernmost area you could go in the known world at the time. So do you get the picture here? That Jonah called to go to Nineveh, Instead of going all the way to the east, he chooses the farthest place west in the known world that he can go, and he gets on a boat, and he heads there. He is running from God. And you know, if we're not careful, we run from God, don't we? We run from God at times. We do different things where we just say, like, God, I I don't have time for you. I don't have time. We put God off. Sometimes we use our family in place of God, or sometimes we use our hobbies or our careers in place of God. Sometimes it's our computer or TV or Facebook, Twitter, whatever. We put those things ahead of God. And if we're not careful, we get involved in so many other things that we look and we just say, sorry, God, I'm just too busy. I don't have time for you. And so in our own way, we run from God as well. We try to forget God and, and leave him, just like Jonah tried to forget God and sail off to Tarshish. And you could try to forget God, but here's the thing we know from Scripture. God is never going to forget you, never going to forget us. And so when we run, sooner or later, we're headed for some type of trouble. And sometimes it's immediate, and sometimes it's a bit delayed, and we, we feel it down the road. But you can count on it. Trouble is going to show up sooner or later if we run from God, which leads us to stage three here in our story. And that's Jonah's disobedience. It impacted others. You see, when we sin, it does not only impact us. Did you know that? It doesn't only impact us. It impacts others. And often even innocent people get hurt in the process of our running. Well, what does the Bible say? It says here in Jonah uh, verse 4 and 5, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo in the sea to lighten the ship. So what's really happening here? These sailors, they're simply innocent bystanders in this whole thing. Jonah's on the boat, and the waves kick up, and the sea gets crazy, and they are frightened and terrified. But they're innocent, They're not the ones running here. We see Jonah disobeying God, running from God, and their lives are the ones in danger. And so they throw the cargo overboard. It's just what they knew to do at the time to try to straighten it out and keep the the ship from going over. They even pray to their own pagan gods, and they say, help us, please, help us. You see, they're paying for something they didn't do. Often we speak about, why do bad things happen to good people? But here's an incident where... A good man is running from God and having an impact 
on these people that, that don't know this God that he knows. If we look at our culture today, what happens when we're disobedient? What happens? What happens because of immorality or because of fraud? What happens because of crime or what happens because of abuse? Who pays? Other people do. Other people do. Often before we do. What happens to a family when a mom or dad decides to have an affair and the marriage breaks up? Children do. Innocent children pay for it and deal with it throughout the whole process of that for years to come. So while this is going on, the ship is about to break up is what the scripture says. This is, this is danger zone. And they're scared to death. Notice what Jonah's doing in the scripture. He's taking a nap. <laughs> He's sleeping. Why? Take a look at, four, at stage four in our story today. His disobedience has hardened his heart. That's what's happened here. When you or I run from God, if we're not careful, we get to a point where our heart becomes hardened and we can't even hear the voice of God. Take a look at verse 5. But Jonah had gone below the deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. You know, they had tried their gods. It didn't work. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. This disobedience endangered everyone. Endangered everyone on the ship. This disobedience of Jonah hardening his heart. And he really became indifferent or didn't even think about those that, those that were around him. And when you or I run from God, the same thing happens. The same type of things happen to us. That's why we say things like, you know, oh, how could a mom or dad walk away from their kids? How could they walk away from their family? You see, sometimes we get addicted or latched on to something or someone, and that draw is so strong that our heart gets hardened to the voice of God, and we crave that thing or that person so much, we literally throw important things away, even family. But here's the amazing thing here. It's, it's amazing if you read the story, that even in the disobedience, even when we run from God, God still could use us. It's odd. The ship captain, Jonah, uh, the ship captain came to Jonah, and, and when he said, you know, we prayed to our gods and it didn't work, he said, would you pray to your God for help? I mean, he's coming to Jonah, and he's given Jonah an opportunity to pray to God and to, to help here. And that, I find that very interesting. You know, I believe in our culture today that when people don't believe in God, almost everyone believes in prayer. In Group Magazine, uh, 98% of people surveyed said they believe in prayer. But 82% said they believe in God. Now you might be wondering, well, who are they praying to? Uh, but the point is here that when you have friends that don't believe in God, and they might be going through a tough, tough situation in their life, something that really is troubling their heart, and or maybe they're running from God like Jonah's running from God, when you simply say, hey, can I pray for you? And actually do it on the spot, you'd be amazed at the doors that opens up and the impact that might have, even if it's just a conversation. Jonah missed the opportunity when the ship captain came to him and said, hey, would you pray for us? Because we get no indication in Scripture that he did that. We're told that the sailors prayed to pagan gods, but no indication that Jonah himself prayed to the Almighty God. Why? Often when we shut our hearts and we become hardened to God's voice and in our disobedience, we have a hard time seeing God move. We have a hard time seeing things that God is in, and they might happen right in front of us. I read this article in a New York Times. It said, quote, bosses of a publishing firm are trying to find out why no one noticed that one of their employees had been sitting dead at his desk for five days before anyone asked him if he was feeling okay. 
George Triplebaum, 51, who had been employed as a proofreader for 30 years, had a heart attack in his open office plan he shared with 23 other workers. He died Monday, but nobody noticed until Saturday afternoon when an office cleaner asked him why he was working on the weekend. I mean, isn't that incredible? I can't even imagine that that's possible that that could happen. An open office, 23 other employees around, and this guy's sitting at his desk Monday through Saturday dead, and nobody checks on him. I mean, this is like weekend at Bernie's to the max here. It's incredible. And it's tragic. But isn't it amazing, though, that we have people we work with or we live next door to? They're hurting. Maybe they're even dying spiritually. And if we're not careful, we never interact with them. We never connect with them to see what's going on in life. You see, our hearts can be hardened sometimes by all the things we have on our plate and all the things that we do, and we miss the opportunity to be used by God. And that's what's going on with Jonah. And so we find here in this story so far up till now, Jonah, he's been called by God. He runs from God. His decision impacts all the sailors. His heart is hardened. He's oblivious to God. And finally, God gets his attention. And we find this next stage. We find Jonah's confession. Verse 7, listen to it. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. Now, you might say, well, casting lots, what's that all about? And that's kind of a weird way for God to work, isn't it? And, well, God can work really in any way he wants, whether it's, you know, rolling dice or drawing straws, spinning the bottle, whatever he wants to do. Well, not so much about spinning the bottle. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to picture how that might work. There are some verses about kissing in Song of Solomon, but... Uh, I'm not sure that works in. We digress. You know, the Bible just says, though, that they cast lots here, is what they said. And this was, this was very, very acceptable and part of their culture. And they, they strongly believed here that when they didn't know what to do, that God would choose the right person through this process. And the lot here fell on Jonah. Let's continue the story. It says, so they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble? And then the interrogation begins. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? What are your people? Or what, from what people are you? And this sounds like a background check he's having to work through here. And what does he say? He says, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. You see, Jonah had no other place to go. He had to come clean here. He was cornered. I would say that uh, one of these ship meetings or, or maybe a, a family meeting was going on here. You ever been a part of one of these uh, family meetings, kind of intervention type of things? When somebody's running from God, maybe they're destroying their life or they're, they're into addictive or abusive habits and it's hurting their, themselves, their friends, their family, and then somebody finally says, dude, that's enough. We need to have a family meeting, get together and talk about this. You need to fess up. And we have these family meetings. That's exactly what's happened here. The sailors got together and said, why are we having all these problems? Pointing at Jonah. And it's interesting, Jonah comes clean. He says, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the God of the heaven and the sea. Interesting that he would say sea. He says, I, I worship the God who, who made all of this. And yet I'm running from this God on a boat in the sea. <laughs> How's that working for you, Jonah? Not too well in this go around. Anybody relate to this? I mean, really, what, what is Jonah doing here? He did what I think you and I do often. 
God's in control of the heavens and the sea, the land, everything. He acknowledged that God was in control of the whole world, but he couldn't allow God to be in control of his own life. Anybody relate to that? Yeah, I relate to it sometimes. Um, sometimes we pray big prayers. We say things like, God, I know you're awesome. And we sing, you're mighty God, you're mighty to save. You know, you're God of everything, you can do anything. But we're afraid. We're afraid to turn our finances over to him. We're afraid to turn our marriage over to him or maybe even just our schedules over to him. We're, we're afraid sometimes to stick it out and work through tough relationships like he would desire. Maybe we forget to honor him in our businesses and the way we treat our employees He's God of everything, but we often keep him from being a part of those things of our everyday life. You know, today, many of us, I think we just need to confess. Just need to kind of come clean like Jonah came clean. Say we've we've tried to be in charge of our lives, or we've tried to be in charge of certain areas of our lives, and we've just messed it up, and we've run from God. I think some of us, we just need to say, God, I am the problem. Would you say that out loud with me, God? I am the problem. Yeah, that's good. Isn't that hard to say? I mean, I hate it. <laughs> I hate saying that. I mean, the danger is what? The danger is that we turn to our spouse and we say, you are the problem. <laughs> hey, you know what I mean? Uh, but all kinds of other problems come with that, right? <laughs> Let's say it out loud again. God, I am the problem. Again, God, I am the problem. You see, that's so difficult for us to say. Because in our postmodern generation, our postmodern culture, we've not, been, we've not been taught to say, I'm the problem. We've been taught to say things like, my parents, they're the problems. My spouse is the problem. Oh, the politicians, now those guys and girls, those are the problems. My boss is the problem. Somebody else's fault. No, often, I am the problem. I'm the problem. Definitely not in every single situation, but often we have run from God and we start to reap what we've sown. And so when Jonah said, hey, I'm the problem, notice how the sailors reacted here. Check out verse 10. This terrified them. (laughs) No surprise there. Why? Because they realized this guy believed in God, the God who created the earth. And they asked, what have you done They knew he was running from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up. Throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault, that this great storm has come upon us. He assumed responsibility for his actions. Instead, though, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew wilder than before. Yeah, I think their reaction, the sailors here, it's similar to what Jonah went through. I mean, he was terrified, they were terrified here. And what have you done so wrong that you're running from God? And then they ask him for advice. What what should we do? You're the problem. What what should we do to you? And he said, just just throw me overboard. It's me. Throw me overboard. You should be okay. But next they decide, no, we won't do that. We'll do our own thing. (laughs) And they said, no, we're just going to row. And we're going to row and row as hard as we can And that didn't work for them. The sea grew wilder and wilder and wilder because they tried to take matters into their own hands and they just got into a bigger mess. Just like we just found that Jonah did as well. Sounds a lot like us sometimes, doesn't it? Rowing and rowing and rowing against life. Sometimes when you and I, we do our own thing out of God's direction. I mean, we run from God and like the sea, it just gets bigger and bigger and worse and worse. And finally though, we cry out to God. 
We say things like, God, save us. God, get me through this situation. God, if you could just help me. Or we may humble ourselves to the point where we say, God, I am in trouble. I wonder if God sometimes looks at us and says, why didn't you just trust me up front? And we wouldn't have had to go through all this mess to begin with. You know, now, just like Jonah confessed, we find the sailor's confession here. Look at it in verse 14. It says, they cried out to the Lord. Oh, Lord, do not let us die from taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, oh, Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. They don't want to be responsible for killing a prophet of God. I mean, who would? And so they threw him overboard, and the seas grew calm. Now, I like to think the, the seas grew calm in just an instant. You know, not like when you have a headache and, you, you know, you take some Advil and it seems to take 45 minutes to kick in. You know, I like to think they threw him in and boom, it was made calm. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say it that way. But we know it got calm. And the guys, the sailors look and say, man, whoa, this, guy, this guy's God was legit. He was the real deal. And it says that they had, I mean, that they offered a sacrifice. I mean, these guys had a holy fear of the Lord at that instance. And notice they didn't just say, uh, wow, God, that's, that's great. You are an awesome God. They acted on their belief. Right away, they were propelled into offering the sacrifice. And a sacrifice is just a public expression of our faith and of our worship. When we get baptized in Christ, now that's a public expression of our faith and our worship to God. And when you bring your tithes and your offerings into the church, that's a public expression of your worship and your faith in God. And that's what they're showing. It's the opposite of running. It was about 1996 when I was living in Wilmore, Kentucky, and I had, Shree and I had uh, just married, and they had this, uh, this 4th of July type of thing that they did, and they had a 5K run um, running uh, is not of interest to me. And so, uh, but that day I decided, well, I, I want to run the 5K. And so I signed up, and the night before, oh, I'm not even there. Why are you laughing already? <laughs> so I signed up, and the night before I went to Walmart, I bought the $9.97 Silver Series sneakers with Velcro straps. And uh, I showed up the next morning and, to run this race. And so I did my stretching as if it would help and uh, got myself all prepared and got on the starting line and, and the little, uh, little cap gun went off and we started running. And I want you to know that uh, I was winning that race for about 20 yards. And, uh, and I started to drop back in the pack a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more. And I realized that 3.1 miles is a whole lot farther than I thought it was. I mean, I can get there in my car in just a couple minutes, but the running <laughs> took me a long time. And I, was, uh, and I was huffing and puffing, and they had these little water tables, and I noticed um, that people would drink their water and they'd flip their cups on the ground, and I always wanted to be more conscious of that and not litter. So, uh, so I was taking my cups and sticking them in my pocket. and So that was the sight of me huffing and puffing, running in my Velcro sneakers with uh, cups sticking out of my pocket. I came down this final stretch, and, and uh, the final stretch was, was all uphill. Um, now, I know real runners would say it was a mild grade, but uh, for me, you know, it might as well have been steep. As we were running up this last stretch, I was passed uh, by somebody. Now, I had been passed by a lot of people on this run so far, because remember, I was leading for 20 yards. 
but this was one of my junior high students. <laughs> this was one of my sixth graders had just passed me up and was running up the hill. And I decided that uh, that ain't going to happen. And so I kicked in every bit within me to chase this young man down. And I'll have you know, I chased him down by the top of that hill. That sixth grader had nothing on me. And uh, I did pass him. And I think I posted a time somewhere in the 20 to an hour range uh, in that and finished. And I remember just kind of collapsing in the, gra- in the grass. The junior higher didn't collapse in the grass, but I did. Um, I just know one thing about running, and it was instilled in me once again that day. It's tiring. <laughs> it's tiring to run. It's no fun at all. Who's running today? Who of us? Who's running? I mean, look closely at this story. This is a story about two different kinds of people. I mean, it's a story about a prophet running from the God he proclaims. He's running from the God that he has trusted in. That can so often describe us as Christians. I mean, we run from God when he's called us. We love him. We have a testimony when we came to saving faith and we said yes to him. We're just not willing to surrender to him. And so we run. But it's also a story about some men who were very spiritual, but they never knew the God of the heavens and the sea. And so when they were introduced to his power, and they were converted right there on the spot. And it wasn't through a, uh, the prophet's prophecy here. It, it wasn't through a sermon. Nobody saying, you know, just as I am or anything like that. No, they encountered the living God. They encountered what he is capable of, and their lives were changed in an instant. Here's a neat thing about when we choose to stop running. God provides. He does. Take a look at verse 17. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Is that possible? No, it's not possible. Come on, it's not possible. I mean, that's crazy. There's no proof uh, physically that somebody could survive two hours in a well, much less three days. That's crazy talk. But it's also impossible for a virgin to conceive and give birth. It's impossible for a man to die on a cross and be raised in three days. Jesus' disciples were questioning him one time about something that was impossible. And do you know how he answered? He replied, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Is it possible for you and I to stop running and to be transformed by an encounter with God? Sometimes when we're running, we don't think it's very possible at all. But when we stop and we confess to the state we're in, God provides. In Jonah's case, he provided a large fish to swallow him up. Now you might say, well, how is really is that God providing? Isn't that part of the punishment? No, not part of the punishment. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe a a provision would be like a nice campfire on the shoreline with maybe a, a fish on a stick that was roasting over a fire, and that would be something providing, right? No. How did he provide? Well, think about the alternative in this situation. The alternative was death by drowning at sea. But God provided. He provided this this great fish to swallow him up. He put Jonah in a place where he had nowhere to go. I don't even think he could budge and turn around. All he had to do was sit and contemplate where life had taken him. And he cried out to God is what the scriptures tells us. And we have a great God. We really do. That when we, ha- when we run from him and we do our own thing, he hangs in there to provide for us. He waits for us to stop running so he can provide. In fact, 
the picture is like this. We're running, we're running, we're running. And instead of running so far away from God and away from Jesus, we turn around and he's standing right there. He's standing right there because he's pursuing us all along. We have a God who's full of grace. Listen to this application question. Put it on your head and heart this morning. Why do we run away from God? Why do we do this? Why do we have stories like Jonah where we see what it brings and yet we still run? Now you might say, Tom, I don't run away from God. I mean, I haven't done anything like that. But the truth is we all run from God in different ways. You know, we run from God when we procrastinate in doing the right thing for a, a long period of time. Or we run from God when we don't use our God-given abilities to advance the gospel. And we run from God when uh, we see a need. Maybe it's a, with a neighbor and, and we choose to let somebody else take care of that. We run from God maybe when we just hold a part of our life from him. Like, God, you're, uh, you're great and you're above all things, but I'm going to run my business my way or my marriage or my checkbook. Why do we run from God? That's a question for us. Well, this morning, I think there's a couple of reasons that we run from God. Maybe there's a ton of reasons. One, though, I know is because of pride. You ever get prideful? The truth is that even though God made us, we often think we know more than God. We say, God, I know it's best for me. I'm going to run my life my own way. In a real way, we, we play God. We just need to humble ourselves and say to God, hey, I've tried to play God. It's it's not working. It's not working. So I'm going to let you be God and handle this situation in my life. And pride just keeps us from coming closer to God. The second area is fear. Fear. Now, what's, why is fear so difficult? Because we're afraid that God might ask us to do something. He might ask us to do something. We might not like it. He might ask us to go to a place like Nineveh. God might ask you to go down the street and connect with a new neighbor that just moved in and they don't know anybody. God might ask you to just walk around a couple rows and connect with a new family or take them out to lunch to get to know them and pay for them. Get me? God might ask you to serve in the kids program or maybe launch a ministry because you're gifting. Why do we not do that sometimes? Why are we afraid? I think a lot of times we're just out of the practice of asking God just to go before us and provide and to trust him. There's times in my schedule when uh, I have a meeting and, and sometimes like people say like, hey, hey, Tom, can we talk about something? And then I have to go a couple days wondering, wonder what that something is we're going to talk about. And I have to say, God, just go before me, go before them, and uh, just let your glory be known. And often those meetings go really well. But there's other times I confess when I don't do that, and I just, you know, say, you know, I'll play super pastor today, or, you know, I, I think I know what they're going to talk about. I can handle this one, and uh, I'm amazed how many times I go away from those, and they don't go so well, and I think, uh, man, I just made that problem worse because I let God out of it. So, church, let's put aside this fear, and let's call on God to go before our situations, and when he calls us to do something, let's, let's, just, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Bobby and I were walking along the beach and laughing, and it was awesome. We walked up to Jesus, and Bobby turned to me and said, I gotta go right now, but I'll see you later. I told him I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave him, and he said he had to go with Jesus, but he would talk to me later. At that time, I saw a lot of people 
that are sitting in this room right now walk up to us. In that moment, the Spirit spoke to me and asked me to stop running and to surrender my life back to the Lord. I started living in community as he created us to do. He gave me the verse, Exodus 17, which you can look up later. I started sharing my story. The Lord has given me the privilege of being part of ministries that have literally led a couple hundred people into relationships with the Lord this past year. Watching someone stop running and surrender to the Lord, entering into an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ is the best high I have ever had. I have more money in the bank now than I ever had, and I'm unemployed. I've been sober for two years this month. I cannot believe I get to do this. I was running, but now I'm not running anymore. Thank you. Amen. So are you running today? Uh, I think it's time to just stop and tell God, I am the problem. <laughs> He's ready to provide for you today. He really is. The wait doesn't have to be any longer. He's ready. For the rest of us, uh, uh, it's, it's just time to stop running and give it up. If you're a believer here today, like, like Jonah, uh, and you've been running, God says, I'm ready to restore you, much like our testimony that was shared today. But maybe you've never opened your life to him. Maybe you've been on to spiritual things, but you don't know him as Savior. And like those sailors, you can say yes to him today, just like confessing, I have lived my own life apart from you, God. I want you to come into my life and be the Lord of my life. And in an instant, he's going to provide. He's going to provide for you. There's a card that you grabbed on the way in that you were handed. This is just a little tool to, to help you. Sometimes it's just helpful to have, have something that helps us take a step forward. It's a simple card. It says in one box, I'm a believer who's ready to say, I'm the problem. If you're a believer that just says, man, I've been running after, from God. He's calling me, and I just run from him. Maybe this morning it's time for you to check that box, put your name, and drop that in the offering plate a little while in a few minutes so that we can be praying for you and helping you on that journey. Maybe this morning you say, hey, I'm not a believer. I've never made that decision, but I'm ready to let Jesus come in and be the Lord of my life. I want to I wanna run the rest of this thing with him. You can check that second box and drop that in the offering in just a few minutes as it comes around. And we want to start praying for you, and we want to connect you in, in with Fresh Start and how you can move ahead in your journey with Christ as well. So use this card and, and check those. Maybe there's something else in your life that you just want to wanna share with us or you want us to pray for. Please use the card I spoke of earlier in the service and just write on that and drop that in in just a few minutes. But let me take a moment to pray for you, and then I'd like to invite our, our praise team to come back up and, and lead us through another song. Father, thank you for who you are. And Lord, we just, we just can't experience enough in life to learn everything we need to learn. And so we have characters like Jonah who help us. And so, Lord, this morning we just ask that the story of the first chapter of Jonah would be one that would just hit us flat between the eyes, and we would realize, if not anything, Lord, we would realize if we've been running. We would realize if you've been calling us to be a, what type of person you've called us to be or, or what to do with our life. And we've just said up till now, maybe arms folded, no, no, Lord. And maybe we look around our lives and we see some of the struggle and strife that we have. Or maybe at very least we look and say, it's just not the life I think that the Bible calls us to or the Bible allows us to live I just pray you'd surrender before God. And Lord, we know that you'll minister to us. You'll raise us up, and you'll give us new hope, new life, life eternal. We thank you in your son's name. Amen.